nation It's a kind of a family Wherever I roam A Fenway home That's where I long to be I'm a member of a Red Sox nation It's a kind of insanity Yeah, I live and die With Red Sox pride for eternity I make a smile Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another special edition of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering Game 2 post-game reaction of the Red Sox-Yankees ALDS matchup. For everyone staying up late on Periscope, the podcast, as always, can be found shortly after the conclusion of this broadcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, and Player FM, to name a bunch of them. You can also just go on Google. It'll probably pop up on other apps as well. Uh, Red Sox just wrapped up uh, the second game of the series against the Yankees. Final score was 6-2, Yankees, unfortunately. I am Terry Cushman, joined again by Jeremy Schilling and Josh Nord. How are you, Jeremy? Not great, Terry. How are you? <laughs> About the same. Josh, how are you? All right. Uh, I've been better, but I'm happy to be here. Okay. Well, we're happy to have you. So, um, you know, David Price, big moment, chance to redeem himself. Fails epically. So, um, why don't you uh, lead us off, Jeremy? What were your thoughts? Terry, I texted you and I quote, fuck you, David. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know how else to put it. Just just an utter letdown. I am, and, and part of why I'm upset about it, and I told you before the podcast, I wasn't sure if I was going to handle this like a child or an adult. And I think I'm going to handle it like a child. Um, is because this sack of shit somehow convinced me that it was going to be different this time. And so I'm like a little bit mad at myself at the same time. He's just a coward. Um, too big for the moment. You know, I wish that I listened to his, I, I wish we maybe timed this better and I listened to his, his, uh, conference call. I, I don't know what to say that hasn't been said. It just like hit the reset button cause I was optimistic going into today. Um, just again, like, fuck you, David. I, I really don't know what else to say. He's just he's just a spineless sack of shit. And even if we find a way to get past the Yankees, it, this and and he's gonna have to pitch again. So I mean, let's assume we win the two sale starts. We have to win on Monday with Severino versus probably a bullpen game. So it just the whole thing just sucks. The season feels like it's on the brink, even though the series is tied, the, except for the first three innings of Game One of the ALDS. The Yankees have dominated the series. Yeah, they certainly have, and uh, 
just uh, we'll touch on it more in a minute, but Price thinks he might be coming out of the bullpen on Monday. I'm seeing in my media feed here, and uh, Avaldi has not heard otherwise that he is not starting game four. So that's tentatively where he will still pitch, and I'm assuming it'll be Porcello for at least three or four innings, depending on... I mean, he only pitched two outs the other night, so, I mean, that that could just be a full start for him in uh, game three. And he does have good numbers against the Yankees at home this year, so even though that's on the road, but good numbers uh, in, in a scenario nonetheless. Uh, but getting back to um, David Price, Josh, what were your thoughts uh, leading up to it and then as it unfolded? Uh, when we first got David Price, someone once said that he was essentially the American League version of Clayton Kershaw. And for a while, I agree with that because they both struggled in the postseason. But Kershaw has picked himself up as of late. And, you know, kind of with what Jeremy said, we had all this momentum coming from game one. I mean, you know, we had a starter that was able to go five innings. We ended up winning against the Yankees. That things might be different. But it's just, you know, fool me once, uh, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me thing. And uh, this is this is pretty much it for him. It's, it's hard to come back from this in any meaningful way. Like you said, he's going to be probably coming out of the bullpen from now on. That might be the best for him considering how he was in, in 2017. But as a starter and as a player in Boston, he's done. This is it. He's not – no one's – he's done. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm going to be praying to, you know, sports god every night uh, between now and whatever the deadline is for him to opt out. I'm assuming it's, I think it's within 10 days of the uh, conclusion of the World Series is the window for him to do that. But what um, what organization would sign him to anything close to the money he's going to get from the Red Sox after tonight? <laughs> Tonight solidifies that they, that this dickhead uh, will be a Red Sox for the next four years. So I, bu- buckle up. Buckle I, up because it's happening. I, for the most part, agree with you, but he's going to do what his agent tells him to do. And, you know, and that's a conversation they're going to have. Let's and... hope his agent wasn't watching today. Look, <laughs> look, unless his agent has a heavy drinking or narcotic problem that we don't know about. I mean, what what kind of advice could you give this guy? He he's uh, he he's like our, like you know that sibling in big families that like no one, everyone kind of pretends it doesn't exist, but like they're there and they show up to like the Christmas parties and stuff. Like that's our David Price for the next four years. So I mean, it just sucks. I, he's has to pitch out of the bullpen. It takes all the pressure off. And he and every time you throw, oh, he hasn't won a playoff game. He always corrects you and says, "No, I have two wins as a reliever." So it's perfect, David. You're our fucking long reliever. Uh, I can't imagine um, that's going to change the market moving forward. Thirty-one million dollars for a middle reliever who can throw two to three innings. But that's what we have. I, I and Terry, you said last night that that was a possibility, or maybe it was last week. I can't remember. I scoffed at you. I think I privately made fun of you, uh, and I was just absolutely dead wrong. He, he's our – he's – I mean, at best, he's Miller from Cleveland two years ago before the knee injury. Uh, at worst, he's just a complete puddle, and you can't get anybody out in big, in big moments. Yeah. One other thing about the opt-out thing, there is no top-flight uh, pitcher on the market either uh, this offseason, so – 
Um, just something to think about mm. as well. Um, well, no big markets are going to be able to do it because that's that's the issue. Unless you unless they're going to expand into Anchorage, Alaska, with a, a baseball stadium with eight thousand fans, where he can pitch and feel comfy, cozy with his dog Astro. I mean, he can't. He, <laughs> I mean, I, he, the Mets, that big market, no Yankees. You got to be kidding me. Dodgers, no. I mean, go on, go down the line of big market teams with big dollar bills available to them. I mean, maybe Milwaukee or some assimilation like that. Like, fine, but. It's just he's our problem. He's our redheaded stepchild, and that pains me to say that because I was a redheaded stepchild myself. Right. I just like to, you know, as a podcaster, consider you know all avenues as unlikely as they may be. Um, My own thoughts tonight on um, David Price. I've been a hater all along. I've hated him since we absolutely shelled him in Game Two of the 2013. ALDS when we played the Rays en route to a World Series and mm-hmm. I hate his attitude you know similar to ways that I can't stand Dustin Pedroia you know it, it messes with the same area of my brain I hate the fact that he doesn't hold himself accountable he has a holier than thou uh, type of complex and absolutely can't stand him he trashes Boston fans and Ultimately, when when push comes to shove and he does what he's paid $231 million to do, he just epically fails. And it's so predictable. And I've battled mostly in the second half because that's when he was so dominant. But I battled David Price Huggers all the time, and they all crawled under their rocks tonight, you know, as I, as I just spouted off, just basically spewing, you know, in the hour or so following when Cora pulled him out of the game. Um, yeah. I, I have no faith in this guy. I never have. I knew this was going to happen. It was an automatic loss, and... Um, uh, props to Cora for just pulling him anyway. I mean, there were two guys on. He didn't want him to face Judge again. It was only a three to nothing game at the time, but he went out there and did what he had to do, and he did the right thing. And um, unfortunately, the bats didn't show up tonight to uh, keep us in the game. You know, Xander hit the solo, but so I don't know. But that's part of the. That's part of the problem, though, is that when you go out and you're down 3 nothing, you know, it takes away – you're playing from behind, so you can't give away out. So, okay, so people – we're not necessarily looking to sack ball. We don't want to try to steal bases. So it just completely deflates the offense before they even have a chance to get out there and get after it. It does, yeah. And I was looking at Tanaka's uh, stats against us. Um, oh, he was and- bad. In two games, He's terrible. we should have lit him up. In two games previously, including in the final series of the year, we got him for four or five runs, four or five runs in another, and then he was really good against us uh, in the middle of the season. Only gave up uh, one earned run, which was a solo uh, home run. But um, I, I well, thought too, in that first inning, those three outs were hard hit plus the base hit. <laughs> Right. So, I mean, again, not to, but, but he, Price, 
who I just can't say enough negative things about, d- didn't give you a chance. Three hard hit balls, you know, come back, more runs. He can't get out of the inning. And, and, and you can't capitalize on the fact that you hit the ball hard three times, albeit outs, loud outs. But, you know, you come back the next inning, those, those same hard hit balls find gaps, and all of a sudden you're up two to one. Never have that chance because, you know, David. Yeah, and the thing about it is, is like, you can't ask for a better situation for Price to pitch in. I mean, we had one game one. Chris Hale went out and was fantastic with all the question marks surrounding him. You know, the team was riding high. We were able to get runs where we had him before. And all he had to do was just go out there and, and be average. And I think people would have brushed that under a rug. But he just went out there and just pitched in the worst possible way. It, it wasn't even the fact that he had like a meltdown. It was just it was just bad. That that's how I would describe it. It was just bad. And as he walked off the mound, he had this kind of like dead glazed stare as he just got rained on by booze. And it's just it's as bad as you can get. And like I said, there's just no recovery from this, at least for him. David Price quote. Uh, just popping up now says my spirits aren't down my confidence isn't down I'm looking forward to getting back out there and getting another opportunity so at the present time he hasn't he hasn't had time to go to his Twitter account yet and spout off that way but seems to just be politically correct saying what he's supposed to say Uh, we don't want him to have another opportunity at least as a starter but we don't have a choice, though. I mean, maybe not as a starter, you're right, but he's going to pitch big-time innings here. There's just yeah. no way around it. I mean, the thing that, that has me so butthurt right now is that him being as bad as he was pulls the World Series dream out from underneath me. So I, I have no illusions that this team is capable of winning a championship now as a result of this. Because, I mean, the next step is... We, Cora hasn't even named the starter for game three. We don't even know if it's Porcello or Evaldi, and one of those guys had to come in and pitch the eighth of game one. So a guy we were completely counting on, and to me it's like I'm not such being such a child, admittedly, um, which makes it not as bad, in my opinion, if anyone was asking. <laughs> <That's okay>. um, <laughs> is uh, I don't think anybody was, but anyways, um, is that it's not just the loss tonight. I mean, we've suffered losses before as a Boston fan base. Um, the series is tied. On paper, it's reset the series. It's a three-game series. We got sale in one of those games. Let's cook. No, uh, I'm not handling it that way because I don't think we can win a World Series with this bum having to pitch big innings it just sucks i'm sorry it just sucks that i was so optimistic yesterday i'm not by nature a negative uh, sports fan it's hard to be a negative sports fan in boston with the way things have gone the last two decades but i'm just so negative and i just feel like the the the, the dream of this being a championship team has been pulled out from underneath me tonight and to go on what you said i feel like it's 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 a drain on the team because like how many comeback tours have we had to deal with since Bryce has come to this team this this idea that oh he's gonna turn it around and you're all gonna be sorry and you know he's gonna nut up and go out there and he's gonna pitch his heart out but it's just constant like he just constantly falls flat on his face and he comes out and he he gives these tired comments it's just like oh you know i'm just gonna get back in there i do it all for my team you know they got me backed up and stuff it's just like how how much can a team support a guy that just goes out there and gives up their chance to win the game that's probably draining they support him and they love him and they all say it publicly. 
That's a crazy thing, and we as fans don't understand that because we're not in the clubhouse. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's a good guy. Like, I, you know, if he invited me over for, like, a beer or something like that, yeah, I'd have fun with him. But, like, I wouldn't want to be his teammate because it's just, like, he, he just I feels would, like a circus act. I would much rather him have some sort of, like, criminal background and get outs in October. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't care that you're a good person, David. Like, like the Rangers guy? You know, <laughs> I mean, no, I'm not condoning hitting. <laughs> Jesus Christ, just no, Look, no, the hard. other guy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Look, I, I, I say it in jest. Like uh, uh, Terry, we went into it last night about like I don't care if you're healthy or if you're nicked up or injured or, and all that because it's, at the end of the day, it's just about getting outs and. Like I don't care about your dog Astro. I don't care that you are a video gamer and you're, you know, and I'm doing my bunny ears in my kitchen right now. You know, you're just like us because you play video games. Like, who gives a fuck? Get outs. You're not like us. You can throw 96 with a cut. Okay, I'm 25 pounds overweight. My whole, my whole fun, my whole existence in October rests on you pitching well, and you suck time in and time out. It's exhausting. Yeah, the you make some good points in there. His teammates are going to back him no matter what. They like him by all accounts. He's a good teammate to them, you know, and they have a relationship unique to each other that only they understand. So we can't. I, I would rather that he was sleeping with all of their wives and getting people out. <laughs> yeah, that did happen though. I think someone got in trouble for that uh, like a decade ago. Um, I forget who it was. Um, We're not talking about David West with LeBron, allegedly. Hell yeah! No, no, there was something allegedly. <laughs> someone you gotta throw, you gotta throw allegedly in there, Josh. That's my legal, my legal <laughs> advice for tonight. That, that one's free. <laughs> okay, um, and I, I was just talking about how you know amongst his teammates, he's he's well liked. But the unfortunate thing to me is. The fans haven't held him accountable as much as I would like. I do it all the time, but I feel like I think they have. I uh, mean, have you heard the booze when he walked off the mound? Yeah. I mean, do you want him to throw like tomatoes well, hold, at him? Hold on, hold on, Terry, because I'm about to disagree with you heavily, but I want to make sure you're you're uh, yeah. through your point. I'm not. I'm talking about before tonight. I he definitely got booed off the mound tonight, but you don't hear you don't hear. There's no regular booze for him at Fenway Park. It's it's a lovey-dovey family atmosphere and and you know a lot of a lot of the people that go to the games are the type of people that that will look past anything. I mean, Pedroia was forgiven really quick after the Machado thing by and large. I haven't, but that's the way it is and I just I just don't think I don't think the fans are tough enough on him. And I battle the David Price huggers all the time. I mean, the more vocal you are on Twitter, like I am, the more, you know, the more confrontations you have. With well, Josh, Josh, I'm going to defer to you here, but I'm just going to say quickly, the reason for that, Terry, is because initially we hammered him and he turtled like a child. And the fan base is smart enough to know that sometimes you got to handle some of these athletes with kid gloves. And so the initial evisceration turned him into an absolute puddle and so they did the exact opposite so they so they just and as a, as a, and, and I can't believe, can't believe I'm about to make this analogy but as a father of two kids 
I have one kid that's tougher than the other. I think most parents can say, oh, I have one that's tougher than the other. And, you know, the same thing. One kid has to be yelled at. The other kid has to be coddled. And what they did is they originally tried to yell at this particular child, and he turtled. And they said, oh, no, 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 this is the type of kid we have to coddle to get the best out of him. And I think the fan base is smart enough to understand that. Well, I mean, I I, I got to go back further, though, to make my full point. I mean – before he got here, he openly trashed Red Sox fans regularly yeah. on Twitter. He trashed David Ortiz. Then he shows up, and people are like, oh, he's one of us now, so we're just going to forget about all that. And then last year, Good point. he trashes Dennis Eckersley, you know, a Red Sox legend, not only as a player, but as a media personality as well. And he does it in a very cheap shot way. Like Dennis Eckersley boards a charter plane. He has to be on that flight because they're going to the next away series and he fucking ambushes him. Eckersley is completely defenseless. Price has the whole plane on his side because there's fucking teammates and this Uh fan base doesn't, doesn't hold him accountable for that. They, I eviscerated for him. And I, thought you told me that this wanted to be a short podcast because I could do about two and a half hours on that. Right. We're ready for it because he's, that is the most cowardly pathetic, uh, thing I've maybe seen a professional athlete do, you know, I mean, seriously, I mean, and, and Eckersley is not just a Red Sox legend. Major league baseball runs him out there as their everyday guy to the fan base. The guy that still rocks the mullet and the mustache. And he's loved in baseball generally. And he ambushed him like a just a coward sack of shit that he is. And again, I don't. I'm handling this like a child, and I don't want to get into that thing last year. But right, but you uh, brought you know, it up, right. Terry. That's your I fault. Mean, I'm. Uh, respected. Oh, go ahead. I'm. I'm talking about the fan base. We're going to hold them accountable because that's what we do. But the fan base doesn't. They're going to forget about it next spring when David Price looks good in six or seven starts in a row. Nobody, nobody's going to be talking about any of that. And but that, but that's my point because he's the type of guy who goes home after the game and listens to the broadcast and goes, "Oh my God, Eck made fun of me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna create a coup and attack him on the plane. He's he's puppy poo soft. He is he. So you can't yell at him because he's a child. So you have to coddle him. And then there's only two way to two ways typically to motivate people, and that's positive reinforcement or negative reinforcement. And so we've already seen that with negative reinforcement, he turtles. So the only other option to motivate a guy, and again, I th- I actually give the fan base credit here, is because they identify it. It has to be positive reinforcement. So we coddle him, we baby him, we give him little four and two thirds. Good start, David. You bum. And I I wanna I wanna see that end, and you know I'm just not convinced that it will, and that that's the the real tragedy that is part of having a two hundred and thirty you know two hundred and seventeen million dollar fucking failure on our staff, and I just I don't I don't like it. Uh, well, to go off your point, Terry, um, I mean like you. You bring up what I think is a symptom of a larger problem that you talk about the fan base and especially Fenway. I mean, you know, you saw in the wild card uh, with the Yankees game, like the whole stadium is just filled with like like 20-year-old dudes named Vinny, you know, and they, they'll just they'll tear apart anyone. They don't care at all. I mean, you, you saw Fenway tonight, and I mean, you know, this, this ain't my father's Red Sox team. It's it, like I, I, I've gone to Fenway plenty of times, and it's just like it, it's a softer atmosphere. You know, I can't. 
you know, use my uh, full vo- vocabulary without, you know, a mother nearby getting upset. That's just how it is at Fenway. The fan base has a large, they've grown soft because they've won. And they're kind of used to big egos, but in a, in, a, in a different way than before. Like, we had Pedro before, and he was a massive ego. But he also performed well. Nowadays, if... Because if, if he didn't, he would get run out of town. Nowadays, you know, you have Price doing this stuff, and they just put up with him because... You know, a couple of weeks later, they'll just change the channel to go watch the Celtics or the Patriots or anything else. So that what I, I think what you're saying is just a a larger problem with just uh, the Red Sox in general. But uh, you are right that we are soft on price, and it does get annoying because you just want to like shake them and just say, "Just be good, just pitch, just be like Sale, just talk to Sale." You know, right? Um, yeah, that's a good point. Sale's the leader of the staff. And apparently this this particular pathetic individual isn't capable of learning by yeah. just watching the fucking I, I don't know how you just don't learn on the sale. Like, it was the same thing last That's year when he had the, the That's a great incident. Point. You know, it's just like, why don't you just be like Sale and, you know, turn off social media and just give up all semblance of a personality and just go out there and knock down hitters, you know? That's I what did, we cause, want. Because he needs to tweet pictures of Astro. He wants Ugh. people to like him. I, think, I mean, God. seriously, that's what it's about. He wants you to like him. And, and, he, and it doesn't matter whether he pitches well or not. He wants you to know that he's a good guy and that, and that, and that he's an animal lover and that he's a great teammate. And, yeah. the, and the, the, what we care about is getting people out. He cares about all the other shit. Because he's a human being. I think he deals with with anxiety, something like that. You know, Zach Grinke was a guy who was treated for it in the past and – we don't. We're never going to know what Price's medical background is or whatever. But he has a similar issue with big markets, and I just don't think it's something he's ever going to overcome. Unfortunately, and that that it it's not necessarily a Boston thing. I mean, just when the lights are bright, he can't he can't handle it. Uh, here's another scenario too. He could also be traded if, if the Red Sox were to eat money. He's owed 127 million. Um, it, you can't keep doing that though, Terry. <laughs> they can't please. I mean, for Christ's sake, the next thing we're going to do is we're going to give a Bonilla contract out like the Mets, and we're going to be paying him a million dollars for the next seven years. I mean, the fact years. is, it's it's dead money with Price. Like he. That contract single-handedly shortens our window of contention by several years, and you can't get out of that. If it, it's it's just it's bad all around. If another team like for, he's not Verlander, at least in the postseason, he might be in the regular season, but um, but Verlander was making twenty-eight million a year, had three or four years left on his deal when he was traded last year, and uh, the Astros are paying twenty million of that, so. I'm thinking the but Red that, Sox. That's a totally different situation because the Tigers had no fucking talent, partly because Dombrowski completely eviscerated their farm system in an attempt to top end their 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 uh, their major league roster. Right. But they had no choice. They wanted they they were they wanted the the cap space to then basically just light that system on fire and start over again. So I mean, if someone came to me and said, "Look," We'll pay sixteen. You pay fifteen. I'd start the GoFundMe page before the sentence was finished. I think that's so, totally. But, but no one's gonna, no one's gonna do that because it's still. I mean, it, that's how crazy the contract is. It's still fifteen million, and that's a that's a split. It's still fifteen million a year. 
And the Red Sox are still going to contend next year. And they're still going to contend the year after. So as crazy as it is, he's still a guy who's going to win you 16 to 18 games and get you into the postseason. He's just not going to show up at the time when it actually fucking matters. Ian Kennedy and Mike Leake both make twenty million a year, so I mean, I'm goddamn, yeah. So I'm not gonna. I mean, we're. I don't know. I mean, like, we got well, out of twenty twelve pretty well. So I mean, you know, I, there's always a little black magic you can pull to get someone moved, but I just think that this is a really bad contract, and we completely brought it on ourselves. And honestly, this probably goes back to just our mishandling of Lesta and all that stuff, but. If the Red Sox uh, want to well, move another him, story for another day. They clearly yeah, overpaid because yeah. they fucked the Lester thing up. Yeah. Great point, Josh. If the Red Sox want to move him and Price wants to move and another team just needs that one more piece for 15 does or he 16 move, million a year. Oh, I, I guarantee this you is, he this wants is, to move. This is easily the best team he's ever played for, though. Yeah. Even if he even if he sucks, like... But it's not going to be. I mean, be. this is the best Red Sox team ever. Do you I mean, think why, that's what he cares about? Yeah, I think he cares about being on a winning team and like being a part of players that go out there and perform every day. I don't think he well, likes he it here. He doesn't embody that. You don't yeah, think don't... it's just like a major league competitor he wants that? I mean, you know, I mean, there are, there are players that just go on vacation and just sunset, like Albert Pujols at Anaheim. But like, I I I think Price likes playing here. I'm sure he I, likes if he likes playing yeah. here, it's because the the roster carries him. Not because he's looking to carry the roster. Like maybe he cares. Maybe he cares about playing on a loaded team so that people don't pay so much attention to him. But like he's look, and it, this isn't like theoretical or an analogy or a metaphor. Yeah. This is the proof is in the pudding. Terry said it on this on this this it, the, tonight, seventeen different ways. If you still think that he cares about these things, then you're crazy because. When it comes time to perform, he shows that he is softer than puppy poo. But do you think he's self-aware of that? I guess that, that not, would be my not, question. Not, not, not publicly. I mean, if, if Terry read his comments or about 10 minutes ago, I mean, publicly he's saying, you know, I, I still feel like I can get the outs and I, you know, yeah. I can do this. So, like, but privately, privately he, he'd have to be a lunatic. To not not be self aware enough to know, like I, I just can't do this. Like, well, that's the thing know, about apps. The lines are really blurred when it comes to that sort of stuff. But I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, the last time I played pickup basketball, I walked out of the gym like, okay, Jeremy, like your time is coming, on. You know, <laughs> and, and so I was self aware, and it's like it stinks. And I remember being a little bit down about it because I love basketball. But like this guy comes out of the gym, and he's like, I can still, I can still do it. I can still do it. <laughs> You know, I, my, yeah, I like I, I just need to lose that ten or fifteen pounds, and I'll get the hop back. Like, no, dude, this is a decade of you stinking in the biggest moments. When uh, JD Martinez was signed in February or late January, whenever it was, um, it, there was a story that kind of came out of that where Price had given him a phone call or sent a text message or something and said. Hey, you might not like the fans here very much, but you're going to love the clubhouse, you know, the teammates. And then that oh gets leaked out. And so that that, <laughs> just, worlds, that just talks about how he he hates the atmosphere up here. And, you know, and I it, just, just, it just shows you that despite that stupid text message, J.D. has completely embraced the fan base. Yeah. 
Like he did that stupid walking of the left field with a rod on a Sunday before a Sunday night broadcast on ESPN, and he was talking about his approach to hitting. And there were like fans up in the you know in the background or whatever it was. And I just remember remarking like, this guy just gets it. You know, this guy just gets it. Like he's embracing the situation. Um, he does that stupid hug with Brock Holt every time he hits a home run. Like, <laughs> and I say that and I say that because I love it. Like. He's embracing the situation. He's embracing like Pedro getting tied to the pole on the days he wasn't starting. David Price is just he he wants to be he's that Homer Simpson meme where he hides in the bush and then he comes out to suck and then he just goes back into the bush. JD Martinez has completely embraced it and I'm, and that's why I think JD's the leader of this team because despite David Price's and, and I know exactly what you're talking about Terry, despite David Price's attempt to to taint Boston right away for JD, he was smart enough to see beyond that bullshit and embrace embrace this city for what it is. Well, that's what it is, and he he understands the market, and I think he understands, you know, how fan you know the human nature within fan bases because he said to someone I forget who uh, he goes well. You can take anything. It was to a media member, actually, a beat writer. He he goes, you can take anything I say and spin it however you want and, and make it sound like the opposite. And he just said it as, like, in a matter-of-fact way, like, I don't even care anyway. I'm just going to show up and do my job. And he's just not phased by anything, Martinez is. And, um, and then David Price is the type of person that likes to – he likes to be in control. He has to be in control of everything that goes on in his environment. And then when something doesn't go according to his wishes, he has a meltdown. I mean, we saw it last year. He was in a blow-up in the clubhouse with uh, Evan Drellick over something. And then that was only like two weeks before the uh, Eckersley incident. And... I theorized, and in, in, I don't remember it was the last post game or the, the last regular show, that I really think he could have started last year as a starter. I mean, he pitched 70 pitches of relief and was throwing gas last October, but he didn't like mm-hmm. John Farrell, and he said, you know what, I'm not going to appease him, and I'm going to do this my way, and I'm only going to pitch out of the bullpen, and that's the way it is, and Farrell went along with it because he couldn't have a public feud with David Price and then still keep his job if if they happen to go further into the playoffs. So Farrell just kind of tolerated it and kind of let Price have his way. And David Price is a guy who's just used to getting his way. And when he pulled the carpal tunnel thing, the, there's no doubt in my mind that that was just that was a lie. The carpal tunnel really? thing was a lie. They just had to come up with something, so that was it. And I mean, he had no I, symptoms. I agree with you. He had no symptoms before that of anything other than just general suckage on the mound for three or four starts. <laughs> and then he came back and w- pitched very well. He had Toronto that next Saturday at the Rogers Center, where he has great numbers. Some of that's probably one of his best ballparks to pitch at, and. And then he kind of went on a run for a little while until that Yankees start against Severino around the 4th of July. And that was just David Price trying to 
trying to get his way. And when he was at that doctor's appointment, when he left New York, because you know he basically chickened out that start, he left to get the you know have the doctors look at the hand or whatever, and the Red Sox made him have his elbow and his shoulder looked at because the Red Sox are like, look, motherfucker, we're not having any excuses when you come back. We, we're, we're looking at everything, and the, nothing was left on the table. He came back with carpal tunnel, if you believe it. His elbow and shoulder, the, the key word used to describe the condition of both of them was pristine, totally healthy. So how wasn't he... How wasn't he totally healthy last September? Then I just uh, I agree with you. Because and, and what happened? And just like this year with the Fortnite injury, the option. So you, you're he's so they do the tests. He's healthy. So it comes down to two options, and you know you have to tell the media something. It's one, he sucks, and he's a pussy, or two, he has. Oh wait, well he's healthy, so let's make something up. Oh, he plays a lot of Fortnite. Let's say he's got hand cramping from repetitive injury from a PlayStation Four controller. So, yeah. and we know he's we know he's puppy poo soft. We've already said negative reinforcement doesn't work with this coward. So, what do we do? Let's manufacture a fucking Fortnite injury. And from somebody who plays a ton of video games, I've never been able to uh, do my day job because I stayed up too late playing a video game the night before. So it's just, again, it's, do we want to just admit that he sucks? Well, we can't because, you know, him and his dog Astro are going to be upset about it. So, no, we're going to agree that he's playing too much Fortnite. It's ridiculous, you know? And, I mean, anyways, and lost in all this, Kelly was actually good. And I was, you know, and the bullpen did a oh, better Kelly job except for Erod. And, and we're not even talking about some of the other things. And But he's just, he's so, he's... And again, part of why I'm such a child in this particular podcast is because he fooled me into being optimistic, and I'm almost more upset about my, uh, that I was lulled into that than the fact that he stunk because it was obviously that was what was going to happen. Right. Um, let's just talk about the uh, uh, the upcoming games real quick, and I'll just say I did pick the uh, the Yankees to win this series in four games, and. I think that's very much going to be the outcome because Yankee Stadium is far more rabid than Fenway Park is. You know, it's it's a more enclosed stadium. There's an extra 20,000 more people there. Um, they're just really excited about their team, and I just don't... They have don't... nothing else to be excited for, though. That fan base stinks. I don't know. They, they... <laughs> Again, I'm gonna just continue in my vein of just handling this like a child. Like that whole fan base has nothing else to look forward to, and and you know Barstool's hit on this this week with Jared Carabas, and they're all just borderline criminals, and uh, they don't have anything else to look forward to. Uh, they all look the same, they all dress the same, they all talk the same, they all have no independent thought. So I totally agree with you. I mean, that that place is like a bunch of lunatics screaming just because there's nothing else to do in the day. Uh, I, I thought the I thought the stadium at Fenway these two games was um, was frankly soft. a little bit soft. Yeah, that's, yeah, Josh, I totally agree with you. I, I didn't feel, and I, I mean, I don't have the benefit to go to the games, but you know, when a stadium is an electric factory, you can feel it through the TV. 
you know, I have surround sound in my living room, and that, that my you know my wife bitches at me to turn the thing down when the stadium's rocking. So I thought they were. I thought it was, it was really just a letdown. I, you know, it was kind of a microcosm of the second game that was just completely underwhelming. Um, but where I disagree with you, Terry, um, with the four game situation, I know you called that before the series started so you're you're going to stick to it but i i i don't think david uh not david oh my god i can't believe i just said that um i don't think chris sale is gonna lose i think i think he'll come out and shove it and whether it's game four because you have to or or game five i i think he's going to give you a chance to win a game well if he pitches it's probably going to be out of the pen because he is a game the tentative game five starter so maybe you know, if Avaldi gets off to a good start in Game Four, maybe that creates. What's a... his rest on Game Four, though? Because if you lose and lose, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. If you lose on Monday, saving pitchers, rest? saving is it on regular rest? I don't think it is. I think it'd be no. a day early yeah. because so saving for... pitchers to for for the next day is just is just silly. If if it means you're going to get eliminated as a result. Um, well, it, it just depends. I know your theory is, you know, we're going to be ruthless and we're going to start him and regardless of his health, but I, I don't know that the Red Sox training staff would agree with that. And uh, maybe they're, they are going to be conscientious about, uh, his workload. So that could play into it, but he would not game five would be Thursday and that's six days, you know, cause from, from last Friday to Thursday. So that that's, that's regular rest. Oh, but we're talking game four, so that would be uh, Tuesday, Friday to Tuesday. That's a little short, so um, it's a day short. Yeah. No, I don't think, and I don't think he'll be with his shoulder. And again, you're right. I mean, I don't know that I agree with your the way you say it, but yeah, if he's, um, I don't care if you're healthy or not. If you can pitch and get out, you got to go out there. But with his shoulder issues, I don't think it's the best the best way for the Red Sox to go about it, starting him early. Yeah, and uh, the other thing too is we we've seen agents and stuff get involved in the past as well, um, most notably with um, Steven Strasburg, you know, and Scott Boris. So uh, who who knows? I, we don't really you know as fans know the the complete you know spectrum of dynamics or or whatnot, but. Um, uh, but with that being said, with my prediction, I'm not saying it because, uh, you know, I predicted it. I just, I don't think we're going to beat Severino in game three. That That's a loss to me. Um, and then, I mean, I, I'm assuming it's probably going to be CC game four. But this bullpen, I know Kelly looked good tonight. And, and Brazier looked okay in a clean inning. He, Nunez kind of... Screwed him on a throw to first, and I think something well, else happened. Oh, I wish happened. they started Devis. Yeah. That really pissed me off the whole time. Right, yeah, and that's another thing. I mean, that confirmed to me that Cora is a Nunez guy. You know, that's his guy on the team, and um, I guess I'm okay with that right now, but I'm not going to be okay with that next season. I mean, they need to focus on Devers becoming yep. the player that he can be. But getting back to it, I just... I think it's a long shot that we win in New York. And the Astros, much better balanced team than, than we are this year. Um, and, and I'm talking about last postseason. They couldn't beat the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. The Cleveland Indians could not beat 
the New York Yankees at Yankee Stadium. The Twins lost there. Oakland has already lost there. So it's just not an environment where the away team comes in and, and typically thrives. And we're still not getting a lot of production from the bottom half of our order. Bullpen, it's a crapshoot. And, I mean, if... If game one, if if last night's game was in Yankee Stadium and we were walking the tightrope like we were last night, I think I think the bullpen would have coughed that up in Yankee Stadium. You know, we loaded yeah. the bases a couple of different times, so I it's just highly unlikely to me we're gonna come out of there with a win. So I hope I'm wrong. Well, I hope I'm wrong. Oh, but. come on, come on, come on, Terry. I mean, look, I, I and I'm down is they're going to win one of these next two games this team won 108 games based mostly on pure talent i mean they came back from i mean time after time when it was so easy to fold up and walk away in a game you know eight that what was it the eight to one game in early september and then they come back and win it nine to eight or, or they tied it and then they came back again and it's like this this team has outside of one particular player whose dog is named Astro. Uh, <laughs> they continually have come back in the situations where you don't expect them to. And it just, to me, dictates that it may not be pretty. They may have to win a football score, you know, 10-7 here. But I do think they're going to they're gonna stretch this to five games. And I do think, uh, you know, my, my the, the thought of them winning the series is dwindling. But... I do think they're gonna they're not gonna go silently into the night here. I think they're gonna make it a series. I think they'll get to a fifth game, and I think they'll you know it, it, it'll be an all hands on deck. And if they lose, unlike under Farrell, I think they're gonna go down swinging. Well, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. And I'm not saying that it it can't happen. And um, your football score scenario that's especially in game four uh, very possible. So they need to show up. The bats need to show up, and and oh, yeah. they just need to. And here, here's me... the thing with Severino, right? right? Last year, I mean, he 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 fell apart, and they took him out pretty quickly last week in the playing game. But last year, what was he? Two thirds of an inning, he got absolutely rocked in that wild card no, I game. I think it was just a third. A third of an inning. All yeah, right, <laughs> a third of yeah, exactly. I mean, he absolutely stunk. And then he's had some games where he has. You know, dealt and, and handled Boston, and but he's had some games where he couldn't get out of the third inning, and it's with, with Severino. It seems to be dominate or bust, and you know, I'm not going to just assume he's going to dominate on Monday night. I, I I like I'm going to go into that game at least offensively with the hope that we're going to get the Severino that puddles in the big moment because. He's building a little bit of a track record. Obviously, no one's as bad as David Price with that, but he's building a little bit of a track record where he has failed in big moments. And uh, maybe it's sad that we're hoping more that they fail than we succeed, but that's the way I look at it. Well, one thing, though, the Price start, I think it was July 2nd, that that was Severino in that one, and then... uh, Severino Price had a rematch just a few weeks ago. It was the final um, series in New York, which was like, I was in Milwaukee for that. Uh, so it was like around September 20th, let's say. And um, Severino, uh, you know, got the win that night. 
Um, he only needs to go five innings or so, and that bullpen is perfectly capable of, of taking over and shutting us down. So, yeah, there. I'm not. That, that plays into what I wanted to bring up, though, with, with the offense, because I think what's been lost in all our woes with the bullpen and the starting pitch in these last couple of games is the fact is that, like, we've been able to get one run off the Yankees' bullpen, I think, this this entire, like, these past two games. Unless I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure Hap was charged with all five runs. I might be wrong on that, but we scored a run off Batances uh, this game. But other than that, what I saw today was just a lot of ground balls. And what I saw yesterday was a lot of ground balls. And if you look at what the Yankees have done to us, I think it's been like, what, six runs so far out of a uh, two-game set that they've scored off our bullpen alone? So the key is, like, yeah, you're right. We need to hit their starters, something fierce, but... We need to be able to start a rally in the seventh or the eighth when the when the bullpen's out, and I know their bullpen is is pretty vaunted to a degree. I mean, I think Batances sucks to be quite honest with you, and I think Chapman can actually lose it just as much as Kimbrel does in the ninth. But if all they can do is just bring in Britain, they immediately induce a double play ground ball. I mean, that's it for us, and you know it it, it comes into a lot of our offensive contributors. Um, not not putting up. And the biggest one I think that has to be talked about is Mookie Betts because uh, he sucked tonight hard. And I thought he had a really good night last night. Obviously, he still has that shadow over him with no postseason RBIs. That's whatever as long as you get on base. But tonight, it was terrible. I don't know if he got a hit at all. I think he went 0 for 4. Let me check. Yeah, he went 0 for 4. No strikeouts, but it's it's been rough for him. And he had that one bad one. Where I think it was like a three-one count, and he got squeezed on, and then immediately like popped straight up, and you could tell he was pissed. So he's been, I think he thinks he's been having a rough series because obviously he wants to just go out there and produce, but it really is the whole offense has to, because if we can't get anything going in the fifth, yeah, the seventh, then we're definitely not going to get it going in the ninth. Yeah, Josh, I mentioned that last night. The concern was that they scored early, and then every time the Yankees chipped a run in and mm-hmm. and kind of chipped away and got back, I kept waiting for them to answer, and they never did. And, you, you know, to win a World Series, to advance to the ALCS, they've got to put up runs in three to five innings, mm-hmm. and, and especially with this bullpen because of how poor uh, of just how bad it is. And so if you're just going to just score 3 runs in the first or second inning and that's going to be it, you're not going to win games. So I totally agree with your point. Uh I adopted as my own because it was really well said. <laughs> yeah, and it, he he did make a lot of good <laughs> points and I I don't remember if I harped on this last night. I I did kind of throw out the day on Twitter. I don't like Mookie in the leadoff spot because there's no one to drive in, and I don't care if he hits a leadoff double. You know, I want guys in front of him. I want good players on both sides of him. So if he's not getting driven in by the people after him, hopefully he's at least driving the people on the other side of him in. And I just think he's totally being wasted there and mismanaged, you know, by Alex Cora. And. He needs well, to- Terry, we talked about this the other night, and, and I don't necessarily disagree with it, but he's going to win an MVP doing it. So it seems yeah. it seems like, you know, 
The, I, uh, right, let me ask you this: like when I when I play when I play my series on the show, because I'm a I'm a nerd and I play oh, 162 yeah. game series on the show, <laughs> show KSC handle, you know, find me on PS4. But uh, like he hits third in my lineup, like you know, I so don't get me wrong, I agree with you, and it, and I, or I or what I do is I move JD to three and hit Mookie four, so they're protecting each other with Xander five. Uh, but he does set the table, and it like Cora's never, you know, part of managing in these systems is is to not make the outrageous decision that gets yourself fired. Putting Mookie in the leadoff spot on a year he's going to win an MVP is just so clearly what Cora or any reasonable manager who wants to keep their job is going to do. Let me ask you this: When was the last time an MVP won the World Series? Well, can you help me with? Can no, you I, take out all the I, I just MVP list. I just, I just know it's been a <laughs> not, long not, time. Not any year the Trout's won it. I, um, it's been, question. it's been a long time, is what I'm saying. So I don't, I don't care about the MVP. I don't care about how we. No, got no, through. and I, to- I get that, and I, and I agree. I don't give a shit about. I mean, I, I adopt the Patriots mantra with individual awards. I just say that. The, I say. He was going to win an MVP as a leadoff hitter. More, in other words, I would I would say that. Yeah, he's had he's had one of the more historic years um, as in a Red Sox uniform from that spot in the lineup, and it just I just don't think there, that any manager would make that change now. Well, I mean, Alex Cora, you know, all season long was doing the best he could do to try to recreate, you know, the twenty. And by the way, last year, Jose Altuve won the AL MVP and the Houston Astros won oh. the World Series. So not, now that okay. was that was a really favorable uh, yeah. answer for me, by the way. <laughs> that, that one fell right in my lap because after that, there's no one. Yeah. And <laughs> for I like a decade. I think when I first. You know, that trend was pointed out to me, and it was obviously, you know, beyond uh, when Altuve won it. But but what what I was getting at, though, is um, Cora's trying to recreate the, the 2017 Houston Astros as best as he can. And um, you Springer was a leadoff guy, was a 3,100 guy, and... And that's kind of what he had in mind for Mookie, and I and Mookie's probably a better player than Springer. Don't get me wrong, but but he he liked Cora liked the idea of getting that type of production out of the leadoff guy. But the problem is, is their lineup was a lot deeper. You know, Marwin Gonzalez could rake from the eight hole and get on base for Springer to drive in, and I just he. These are two different teams. There, these are two different teams, and you can't you can't manage us like we were them. And I just this what's going to happen here is I, I really do sincerely think we're going to lose. And I, believe me, I want to be wrong. I want to watch this team in the ALCS and beyond. But this whole crowd of people that clutches to 108 wins and think that that's automatically going to translate into a deep postseason run there's a good chance a handful of days from now they're going to be looking at this whole year and and realizing that it was all just one big lie you know we were a flawed team from the very outset we were the only team who didn't really improve after the trade deadline i mean i don't consider kinsler or or even pierce 
or Evolde to be game changers. Like, we made the lowest impact moves, basically, of any playoff team. And we were extremely flawed, and I just think... I just think Alex Cora could have made better moves and tonight, re- just in general. You mean you mean Dombrowski? No, no. I mean Cora could have made better moves with what he had. You know, he could have structured this lineup to to play more like a postseason lineup. But he's the lineup he put out tonight is the same lineup that was put out on a Wednesday against the Baltimore Orioles, and he's not. He's not looking at it like he needs to for the postseason. So I'm not saying he's not a good manager, but. Well, to defend that from a player's perspective, uh, you got to see it like you're going to see different pitches. You're going to see a completely different strategy of attack. And if you're used to, and I, in some places it's different. You know, when uh, Betts was injured, Benatendi was hitting leadoff, and he actually went on a tear. So a lot of people like that kind of like getting moved around a lot. But if you remember uh, when JBJ was on that hit streak and Farrell moved him up a couple years back, he froze and he sucked and he blew it. And in the postseason, it's kind of like that. People want to be where they're most comfortable, where they can just you know dig in and do their jobs. And I, I think that's probably what Core was seeing it as, instead of like you know trying to make power moves for for situations. But I can see what you're saying, but I think that's. That's why he did what he did. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, I'm just not looking forward to being the 108-win team that, uh, you know, sucked in September again. But, all right, I guess I guess tentatively we're going to be doing a show tomorrow night, so we'll kind of rehash some of this, and maybe some more developments will um, come to light within the next 24 hours to to discuss so uh we'll just pick it back up tomorrow night so uh thank you guys for coming on and uh we'll uh talk to you tomorrow yeah anytime thanks guys all right well a lot of a lot of price bashing and um you know i'm a little apprehensive maybe more so than they are um maybe maybe we'll shell the shit out of fucking Severino and my points won't matter and uh, that's kind of what I'm hoping for so I, I guess we'll just pick it back up tomorrow night and uh, and then uh, see how Monday unfolds so have a good night everyone it's a kind of a Sox pride for eternity.